Okay, you're not listening to K-Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s. You're listening to the High Ground Podcast, and I'm Stevie W. Callum. And on this episode of the High Ground, we'll be chatting about Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, which made its debut at the Sundance Film Festival in January 1992. This is the first of an ongoing series in which we look at the movies of Quentin Tarantino. As always, if you haven't seen the movies, warning, spoilers are ahead. But the first thing, so Callum, when was the first time you actually saw Reservoir Dogs? Oh god, um Oh I don't actually know to be honest. I watched I think I watched Pulp Fiction first. I think a lot of people actually did to be honest. But um probably um Oh god. Early two thousands probably when I was in year seven or eight. That's second or third grade if you're in the in the States. Yeah, probably about early two thousands. I got, I got lucky. I was at college when it came out in this country. So, uh, yeah, I saw it in the cinema and it was like, Genius. wow, 93. I, re- I remember it and I was thinking, you know, the thing is, because it was so small, then this is a time where you could actually get cinemas that would actually show with them occasionally. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to see it, I think I've seen it about three times on the big screen if it's ever showing. Oh. I always do try and, and go. Uh, not fair. <laughs> I was going to show you about seven years ago because I took uh, my fiance, and it's just—it's uh, one of these films that, uh, as we did recently with Schindler's List, where if I can share it with with, uh, with people that had never seen it on the big screen, it's just fantastic to be able to sit in the audience, or yeah. or even if it's a film like uh, we I did with Alien, sitting in an audience, sitting there and seeing it on the big screen for the first time. Oh, Alien's great in cinema. So so it's it's. It is it's, it's good and it still holds up and I gotta tell you uh, for this podcast I actually uh, I watched a Blu-ray rather than watching it from one of the streaming services that are showing it like on I think it's on Netflix or it something. was I think I don't know if it yeah I think it still is yeah yeah I actually got my Blu-ray out and I tell you for a film that's very close and it's it's one of the best Blu-rays I've ever yeah, seen yeah it's it's, it's, sure it's a good picture and. Yeah. I, even one of the points I did want to make about this film from the offset is that it's watching I haven't seen it for a while since the last time I watched it and it it really holds up with the originality that it had then even now I mean now it's cliche to say something like a Tarantino film you know dialogue wise or um El Royale Bad Times at El Royale yeah. is something that, I haven't seen it but you said it's got very Tarantino, Tarantino yeah. feel see that's the sort of attitude you have towards his filmmaker now but like watching it again I did I'd got the originality of where he was coming from in the early 90s you know like the camera work and the naturalistic dialogue mainly that, that these people talk like normal people because you know before this I think gangsters were an archetype more than a legitimate character you know quitting quote marks so we had people like James Cagney and Paul Mooney and even Al Pacino to an extent and things like Scarface and The Good, the Godfather they're, they're sort of cliche gangsters now And whereas Tarantino's gangsters always feel like they could just be one of us like you could be talking to a guy in the pub and having a good time talking about something and then find out that he was like a, a murderer or a gangster that's how that's how he plays it and it's, it's, it's so well done people don't talk about the job they're doing no Nobody, they don't know I mean you, you, you talk about pop culture or yeah. Or what you're going to be doing the weekend, or, or something. Yeah, yeah, you don't talk. Oh, let, you know, I know they do do it when they go onto the yeah. in pop fiction with the foot massage, but uh, and other people on different jobs and yeah. in Reservoir Dogs. But yeah, it's 
I mean, I think today in with uh, the climate where, especially in cinema, everything is based around blo uh, everything. Sorry, rephrase it. The majority of films that get cinema releases that are mainstream cinema releases are blockbusters, standout films where the studio yeah per same it, yeah about a hundred plus million on it yeah and to actually watch something like Reservoir Dogs and and with uh, Tarantino's upcoming. Once uh, probably out by the time this is all up, but uh, once upon a time in uh, uh, Hollywood, yeah. to actually have Tarantino having still being able to to do this, and it's even in now watching on blue on the Blu-ray, it's just it 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 did it felt like this is why I love cinema. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the it's everything that we get now that we're spoon-fed is is easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah this I... stuff is just and the, the whole talking about Madonna at the start and everything. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It does. It, I forgot. Camera. It, it you, doesn't matter how many times you see it. You can always find stuff in it that you've never noticed. I mean, I watched, started watching it. Uh, put the audio commentary on. I put up tribute the tracks. Was, and I was literally because I treated this. I can't, I went back to where I was when yeah. I saw it the first time because I was in education, uh, studying media actually at the time, and you. I had the mindset when I was watching, it, and it, it, it's kind of great going back into that mindset of yeah. Uh, research when I'm doing it, and it's it just it, it was, it was a fantastic experience to go yeah. 25 plus years, and to actually do this so, uh, and still feel that rawness and the like I said that car the the, the the print on the Blu-ray is perfect. It's one of these films if you haven't got it on Blu-ray, get it, get it on yeah. Blu-ray. It's it's worth it. And if you can get your hands on the, I don't know if you can anymore, but there was a box set that came out uh, called XX. And it was the twentieth anniversary of, of Tarantino starting. Um, uh, it it only goes up to Inglorious Bastards, but it's they've got a, an extras disc where it's critics now talking about how they felt when they saw it, and it's kind of like what we're doing. They're just yeah. saying like you know no one had seen anything like this since maybe people like Goddard and the New Wave in France, and, that. and you know a lot of directors are in the cliche mode of saying I was inspired by Goddard. You know, or are the French are the ones that started the whole thing, but then they just carry on and make safe. I mean, like George Lucas is a perfect yeah. example of this. You know, yeah. he claims to be, you know, and he, he was inspired by like Kurosawa and all the the cinema of, of the rest of the world. But at the end of the day, ET and Star Wars, they're compared to this, they're safe films, yeah. don't they? I mean, they're great, but oh, ET's not. But they're they're safe, controversial. Sorry, yeah, I agree with you. I'm not a fan of ET. No, I, 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 the thing was a much better Alien film. Was. But um, that that safeness was even there back in the eighties, you know. Whereas this was something that was edgy, trippy, in some parts trippy. I mean, because of the the first idea of using non-linear storytelling, yeah. I, I was kind of like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And especially the interconnectivity of the storytelling. It's like, for example, in Pulp Fiction, when you see the yeah. the diner at the beginning, yeah. and you can actually see Vincent and Jules in yeah. the background. You know, I never noticed that the first time, and it, it's. Reservoir Dogs is a blueprint for Pulp Fiction, mm. but yeah, if you look at going back to what you saying about Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars was needed at the time. Yeah, it was all cinema was dark and gritty and everything. And you needed something, and it was supposed to be at Nam. Yeah, right. yeah, the so new you, Hollywood. Yeah, you yeah. needed Star Wars. Yeah, just as you needed, uh, you needed Reservoir Dogs. You needed something to come out because if you look, uh, my three favorite directors from that period. Oh, and I still uh, Kevin Smith's outlay's not been uh, I haven't really followed him much since uh, Clerks 2 yeah but at the time 
You had Kevin Smith, Three Clerks, and Morats, yeah. Rocking Modern Warps of '95, and Chasing Amy. That is a that those ones. Then you've got uh, Robert Rodriguez, who I still think is fantastic. He, you know, again, all directors have missteps. Yeah. Uh, uh, but with Robert Rodriguez, with El Mariachi, and him doing Rebel Without Crew, the book Desperado, Faculty, uh, Dust Till Dawn, yeah. and who's good friends with Quentin Tarantino. So if you look, if you look at Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, just those three, just to start with. I mean, I'll go to four rooms. You can go to four rooms. I haven't seen that in years, and of course, Kill Bill afterwards. But in my period, we're looking at Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown. You look at those films, yeah. they, to me, represent from 93 to 98 my time in further and higher education. Yeah. So I'm always going to have a soft spot for... I mean, I said that when I was studying media and I, I did some film uh, elements of film, uh, uh, and uh, at the time I, I picked up Rebel Without a Crew, and, and I could have done, instead of doing the whole film side of it, I could have just read Rebel Without a Crew. I know yeah. the book is dated because the way technologies move forward, but uh, but Quentin Tarantino, in terms of, of the, the the snappy dialogue and everything, yeah. and his his direction and the, the shot from the trunk of the car up and how he uses yes, it, yeah. it, it's a Tarantino shot, and it's sort of like so those we needed those. Yeah, yeah. We I, do need the, those periods. We needed. I mean, I think this is the first time I've ever compared Star Wars. And uh, the rest of our dogs yeah, and anything, but it's <laughs> no, but it's true. This is what I love about doing these podcasts. Yeah. You can't actually see these links. Yeah, and it's what was needed at the time. Yeah, and I think now the way that everything's gone, we need Tarantino. We need that independence back. Yeah, yeah we need yeah. it more than ever. But we need cinemas that have got the guts, the guts to show yeah. these smaller films, whether it's, they make money or not. You know, that, yeah. it's about the art at the end of the day, not not the profit, and that's what's been lost, I think, yeah. nowadays, isn't it? And like, I, I mean, I've seen a few films from my childhood in the cinema, and it's such an amazing experience to to see something. I mean, it's all in HD now, and you know, you miss the the cigarette burns yeah. and the, the lines on the screen and that, but it. It, it's it feels so special to see something you never saw the way it was intended to be seen the you know when you do see it like that i mean i've only i've only ever seen three tarantino films in the cinema because i wasn't old enough i think kill bill was was what was happening when i was at school in secondary school but i was still only thir 12 or 13 then so the first film i saw in the cinema was i think it was inglorious bastards which was 2009 am i correct let's find god out. is that 10 years old now that film yeah. But I mean that, and then I saw Django, and uh, uh, we managed to see the the Grindhouse cut. Oh, that was brilliant! But um, yeah, so I've only actually seen four. Glorious was two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine, yeah, good guess. Wasn't ah. it? yeah, uh, Grindhouse. Oh no, um, it's Grindhouse was the first one then. Sorry, yeah. that was the four, wasn't it? Yeah. Grindhouse was. That's even though it, it flopped both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, it is that. still it's still. But we don't. I I think we've all got used to being spoon-fed that a film's success goes hand in hand with its financial success and it's not I think these films didn't I mean they made a ton of money because yeah. of like I think Pulp Fiction was when he took off wasn't yeah. it I mean I don't as far as I know I don't think Reservoir Dogs made a massive amount of money did it I actually have that for oh, you've got, you've got the uh, this was the it was uh, opening weekend in USA was 147,839 oh, okay. this is the time 25th of October 92 2,000,000 832,029 that's the gross USA but I was on from the commentaries or something 
Uh, bear in mind, we've, this has been two weeks since we did this. Uh, I did the notes. It actually made money and more money in Europe, and it got yeah, a top following in Europe. I can see he was that. doing the promo tours and everything. Yeah. So it became it, it, it. He gained a cult following. Yeah. So by the time it came to Pulp Fiction, there was a small under small, quite a big underground. Yes. That were following Tarantino, waiting for his next film, and he was loved by the, he was the the darling the, he was the darling of all the film critics. Yeah, yeah. So when it came to Pulp Fiction and uh, Cannes and opening and everything it was big, and we're getting it all again now with. Uh, with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. So, but Pulp Fiction literally, I can't say jump-started his career, but it was the one that he started to reel into a wider audience. He got the, no pun intended, shot of adrenaline. Yeah, he did. They changed the very thing. But yeah. there'll be more about that one when we do yeah, Pulp sorry, Fiction. Yeah. Um, no, I think that that's an interesting point, though, because I think a lot of the Europe, Europe has always been the home of experimental filmmaking. I think British, the British film industry is like, that sort of sticks to its laurels with you know there's a lot of the, a lot of stuff in the 70s and the 60s from from the british film industry was you know how shit britain is and how dark it is and dingy whereas american filmmaking it's almost the opposite you know in the seven, late 70s to 80s it became the whole uh, fantasy took over you know like bigger bigger like more bombastic cinema yeah. whereas in europe you still have smaller and even today at, at Cannes and sundance now like I much prefer to follow the directors that come from that. I mean, people like Lars von Trier, yeah. um, Nicholas Wein and Refn, and people like that. They're they're the ones that are the, the ones doing things where people go, "Wow, like did they just do that?" Yeah. You know, instead of, I love Marvel, but oh, it's another Marvel film. You know, like not in, yeah. not in a disparaging no. sense, but in in the sense of they bring something new to the table. Yeah. I like uh, this is and this is so one of thing where I got with when I was watching Reservoir Dogs. Again, bear in mind it's been about two years since I've seen it last. Uh, is that I like, and, I'm, and I've had this with my fiance a few times. Going when I walk out of the cinema, I champion films. If there's something yeah, I yeah. really like, I will champion it. And every year, I like to find something that I will back. I mean, one of my big ones in the last five years is a film called Chef. I absolutely love it. Yeah, and Which I've uh, still yet to see. It's, it's it's brilliant, but I just I like the small films. I like to get behind something. And yeah, when I was watching Reservoir Dogs, uh, uh, you know, on Blu-ray, I it felt like I just had that feeling of like walking out. Uh, you know, it was, it was in my house. I just I had the whole smile on my face. Like I'd watched something special. And yeah, and to actually, and it's not the sort of thing you get when you watch something at home. Is the no. whole when you walk out of cinema, you've got to walk to your car or walk home or get on your bus or whatever however you make your way home from the cinema but to actually sit in your sit in your own house and just have that feeling yeah uh, I've watched yeah. something so effing good yeah that I just want to tell everybody about how much I love this film yeah and, that's and what are, share it? it with the world yeah and and I don't get that and and it's such and I got it again a week later because when I got to my fiance to watch uh, Pulp Fiction She'd never seen it, and it's one I've been moaning on about to watch. But to actually, like you're saying, it's like an adrenaline shot. Yeah. And to have that feeling after watching a film that came out in, it came out no, no, it released, it got its first viewings in '92, but now so we're talking 27 years ago. Yeah. To actually have that feeling from an older, older film, and I hate to use that because to me it still feels fresh, is is brilliant. And bearing in mind it's only really set in one location a warehouse yeah, um, yeah. a warehouse which is a mortuary 
yeah really. it was wasn't it yeah and yeah, it's fantastic right, yeah. when, you, when you're seeing everything and picking up on all these things it's the one of the other things I um, picked up as well was I forgot how good the camera work is you know like we take these things like yeah. one shots for granted now yeah. but you know back then that wasn't a thing that you know audience attention span is always on average low because mm-hmm. you're trying to move to the next the next beat of the scene whereas Tarantino is one of those guys I think the only director I know of like a quote-unquote famous director before him that would do things like that was Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. you know like the Goodfellas yeah. one shot where they go down into the basement yeah. the, and the, the hallway shots and taxi driver as well where you get to spend some time just staring at something for a while or even nothing you know yeah. and and that's what real life's like you stare at things for ages sometimes because you because you're looking at them and and your gaze should be on things that are naturalistic and that, that's one of the things he does really well in this for, i think the best example of it in this like you say about the trunk shots yeah. you know, or boot shots if you're from the uk yeah. um is the the marvin torture scene where he pans away when the ears being cut off you don't need to see it that's very psycho for me because yeah, everybody thinks very psycho. everybody thinks they see yeah. something but they don't you what don't, you're seeing no. is on texas chainsaw massacre it's, yeah. it's that there's no massacre <laughs> no, and the thing is and i actually pulled this up and the thing i've said for years there's a there's a scene in an early simpsons episode uh, where they do an itchy and scratchy show where they do a shot for shot in a what is he saying a family program of the scene using the cartoon characters itchy oh, and scratchy right. yeah and they do suck in the middle with you one if he can get away with it because it's cartoon violence but because the other one is real violence yeah or supposedly or what you think you see yeah that you you get lumbered with an 18 certificate or an R certificate which I was I think is in America was it oh, R I, I don't know it was an R yes uh, but we got he got an 18 certificate in the UK and I'm, you just think it, it's the same thing yeah but cartoon violence and is okay yeah you know, like and I just thought that that People think they see because when you do cut back, it's just him holding. It, it's just uh, uh, orange, not orange, blonde holding the ear. Yeah, and, and that's worse in a way yeah. because you think, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, there? and it's. I always think the best horror films should do that. Yeah, they should not look at the violence. You know, that's why slashes became passe because they just they they made the the violence stupid, and that's just. You, it, it's okay if you got lads around and you're watching a, you know, you're watching something like it with with a beer and that. But the scariest happenings for me happen off camera in every film because you you can't, your imagination just runs way more wild than what you see. Because you wonder, you you are wondering what's what's yeah. happening off camera. Why are they not showing it? Yeah, because it's so bad that you, it's and it's the playing with your expectations as well. Like when he's about to burn him. Yeah, and. It just gets shot from nowhere off screen, and you think, "Who the hell was that?" Yeah. Like, "Oh, it's oh, he was the rat." <laughs> but it's not. But not being spoon-fed, we're not going to show him get no. the gun, and you know, I. And revealing the rat halfway through the film, yeah. not at the end. Yeah. Like every other film would. Except for White doesn't realize to the end, and yeah. it, But if she goes back, please watch the film and switch this off if you have not yeah, seen it yet. Yeah, I don't yeah. encourage you to switch off our podcast because. I hope you come back and listen no, to it. Evil. But we are going to get to ter- we are we're already in the middle of the territory. But the when you see the flashback to the scene where where uh, Orange shoots the woman yeah. who shot him. Yeah. At that moment, he has to die. He's crossed the line from being a cop to a I murderer. Yeah, he yeah. should not have. I know it's the natural reaction. He should have not have shot the woman. No. But as soon as he shot the woman, you know he sealed his own fate. 
because you cannot let him live after that. No. I mean, the, the logical thing with him, if he would have lasted this long, why did he have to tell White? Because White had, would have, you know, shoots him as soon as the cop, as soon as the cops come in, you hear a, a gunshot. It's like outside, you don't know if Pink Got lives away or on. dies. Yeah, yeah. I think Pink dies. That's a spin-off I'd like to see. Yeah, Pink Living. <laughs> yeah, Pink. With, with the diamonds in yeah. Mexico or something, and then he goes into the titty twister. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that would be... You say universe, they can. But I, I think he dies. Yeah, I, 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 I like... I've never... But it's like you say, it's not spoon-fed. You yeah. can think what you want. Tarantino's yeah. always been... And he's said on record, you know, it like... Sorry, but keep coming back to Pulp Fiction, but the case, the suitcase... Yeah. It, it's whatever you want it to be. It's the MacGuffin. It yeah. doesn't really matter. It's the Death Star plans. It's the, the Ark of the Covenant. It doesn't really matter what it is. You don't need to know what's no. inside the case. You don't need to know any everything in every... It's something we're sorely lacking now, I think. Yeah, I we like, have to be told. I actually had that problem with... Uh, with and this is one of my hates going into... Pop, uh, not Pulp Fiction. Going into Blade Runner 2049. Before it came out, I was so psyched up for this film. And, and, oh, yeah, yeah. and I was like, please... Please don't tell me if that cars a replicant or not, because I don't yeah. want to know. And they didn't. And they did it. And but it they opened great. the doors for his gaffer yeah. replicant. Yeah. And I thought, wow, we are not being spoon-fed. I, yeah. An answer to a question from thirty odd, year, twenty plus years at that point was it twenty thirty? No, we, no, it was twenty plus thirty. Twenty years. Yeah, it was two thousand sixteen, was it? Yeah, so it was thirty years. Eighty-two, wasn't it? So eighty-two, yeah, thirty plus years. Thirty-four years. Yeah, yeah, so we're not being spoon-fed, and that's what I like. I don't want to know what's in the no. case. I don't want to know if Pink lives. I don't want to know if, if White lives. I want to be able to, yeah. in ten years' time, still be discussing these. Yeah, and I, yeah, it's it's just, it, yeah, and he does it in. I think in in most of his films, he does things like that where you think, well, I wonder what happened to so and so, or yeah. or I. I I'd love to see a film about that, you know, like the the, the mythical Vega film that's yeah. supposed to happen as well with the two brothers. That would have been cool. Just even the throwaway reference, the fact that well, you you hear him being called Vic Vega, yeah. and in Pulp Fiction they they call Vince Vega, and you think first time I saw it I thought didn't they call so Michael Madsen that? And I, I just yeah. thought oh it's probably like a just a throwaway, but and it actually like turns out they are brothers, yeah. and, and you think wow that's just like everything is like the makings of a universe. Yeah, before that was a big thing. And you got the suit of armor, which uh, the colors were. Yeah. I say colors. I mean pink, black, blonde. Yeah. Like pink, brown, orange, blonde, white. That's their suit of armor that they wear, which they, which which goes on to Pulp Fiction, and from mm. Dusk Till Dawn. Kill Bill. Yeah. So you've got all of them dressed in. Yeah. Just as like the cops wear their uniforms, they wear. And I read years ago that's what Tarantino called it—a suit of armor. Yeah, um, and the the logo for Band Apart. I mean that's. That's him showing his Goddard yeah. stuff because that is a, a Goddard film, the yeah. hands apart. But it's that image of the guys in the, the black suits. But th- there's you, there's you playing with the cliches with the new stuff though. You know, like suited up gangsters yeah. doing normal stuff for a change. Yeah, uh, it's, it's that dichotomy is just is what works with it, I think. And the scene with them walking down, you know, as the credits are rolling to Little Green Bag, yeah, leads us onto the music. I don't know how accurate this is, but I'm sure it's somewhere that it was one of the first soundtracks to actually incorporate actual dialogue into the yeah, soundtrack. It's it been quite a common yeah. thing recently. It has, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and no one does it better. Tarantino's films, yeah, really work for that. I mean, you couldn't have something like, I don't know, like Avengers with some dialogue no. in it because it, it, it just that's a classical style. 
you know, sort of composing. And and I think you pick up things like this with Edgar Wright's films. His films seem to have really been written around soundtracks. Yeah. Baby Driver especially, like, that's a musical. Yeah. Dialogue in that, soundtrack in this, the yeah, dialogue. Exactly. I thought go back, Flash did it as well, Queen. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. But then in a different way. And uh, the World's End soundtrack was mixed with dialogue. Oh, right, yeah. But if it wasn't, you can see that yeah, Tarantino led the way. The seeds, yeah. For, for, for the likes, I mean, Tarantino even appears on the Hot Fuzz commentary. He does, yeah. He yeah. does. But and the, some of the ones for Spaced, if you have the American box set. That's going to have to be, yeah, because I, I do, I love listening to Quentin talk. I, I could, I could literally. He wears the love on his sleeve. Yeah. He? yeah. And that's this fantastic. And, oh, it's just his love of, it's like his love of music. If you look at the, uh, the, the soundtracks to the likes of. Uh, Ronnie Darko or yeah. even going into the territory of superhero films with Guardians of the Galaxy where they were all written about soundtracks but you could also argue yeah. with Tarantino how he does borrow uh, and turns into his own you, you look at George Lucas George Lucas wrote American Graffiti yeah, around, around the yeah. Martin Scorsese did it for Goodfellas as well that's specifically written around a soundtrack so they take yeah they take the so even though directors is great that we love as much as Tarantino take, take from others but it's not is not exactly it's, it is homaging but it's taking your, taking something it's, and turning it into your it's own it's not empty theft yeah, yeah, oh. yeah so it's although if you look at Happy Days Happy Death is def, Happy Days is stealing from American Graffiti and yeah. a lot of you look at all the ones the films that have been inspired by Quentin Tarantino that just take take it and then they try and make it but without the heart and without changing yeah and it doesn't quite doesn't quite translate. I mean, I think like I think Edgar Wright is the closest to the Tarantino. You know, he's a British Tarantino. I would yeah. use this. I mean, because his he wears the love of film on his sleeve as well. If you listen to his and Simon Pegg's commentaries, they they just sound like two guys having a laugh. You yeah. Know? The thing is, the thing with Edgar Wright is his influences are completely different to Tarantino's yeah. influences. Yeah. And, and that works because you you can be inspired by something but you're always going to it's like if us two now decided to make films my influences of what I we have very similar influences but I'd be taking from a different perspective to what you do yeah and that's but you can run it through something like I mean I was like when I was at, at university and college or mainly at university uh, it was Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez yeah so those two have would have would influence everything and the way I talk and everything our love of pop culture is is what and what you see people talking about now Kevin Smith was doing and he uh, was doing with clerks yeah so you listen to people and rats yeah. yeah so you listen to what people talk about now in general in conversation is stuff that you can see going back yeah uh, like 10, 25 plus years ago and is yeah. all and Quentin Tarantino was the big one that started all this. Yeah. And Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. I, I think, like, as a result, further along these, the directors that do this, and especially Tarantino as well, the further you go along their filmography, like I was saying earlier, I think the dialogue starts to, it does start to get more filmic because they've been in that, that environment longer. So, like, if you take something like um, Kill Bill, I think Kill Bill's the first sort of, first films where he sort of took it to sort of normal film dialogue I mean Kill Bill is supposed to be a pastiche of all the 70s kung fu films so obviously some of the dialogue is supposed to be deliberately hokey but I think that's where you lose the conversational dialogue a bit 
controversial or no I agree but I also say but I also think that with Tarantino after he wanted to try every genre yeah or as many genres as he could and Kill Bill was just to prove that he could do it yeah yeah so when he does these films like Inglorious uh, Bastards he, he does all these films and it's just to prove that he can actually do it to himself yeah. I mean look at the misstep that was uh, Grindhouse Death Proof fantastic film but a lot of people didn't see it because people no. walked, was it Figure Wind Planet Terror than Death Proof or was it, was it vice versa Um, it was Forbidden Planet then uh, Forbidden Planet Planet yeah. Terror sorry Planet Terror then, yeah, then. then Death Proof so people walked out before Death Proof even came on in America yeah. and I think we saw the full cut as well didn't we yeah, they did and really we said we preferred the Grindhouse cut the yeah. short cut I've only got the Grindhouse cut but I have to try it's hard to get hold of it I'm hoping it they do is, release yeah. this but it's people didn't get it hmm. but I not by a long shot is that a misstep in my opinion the ending is no. worth it for alone with uh, Stuntman Mike oh, and yeah. when the music uh, kicks in at the end is pure Tarantino it's, and it's again, the girls yeah. and having Zoe Bell as a star rather than yeah. just a stunt uh, woman yeah uh, stunt person oh, it, it, it's fantastic it's, it's just as good for maybe not Reservoir but later on he does he, like the female stars are just as good in a lot yeah. of his films aren't they? I mean I think Reservoir Dogs is quite absent for female characters but it 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 works because I read this bit of BS online uh, a few weeks ago where oh this no. is a critic for an online newspaper oh, it's a regular it's a broad street as well he said uh, he made a comment and, it, and I read all these sort of things I'm fascinated in people's opinions he said that there's only like two characters undeve- un- females that are underdeveloped in Reservoir Dogs and uh, he was going on a rant about Tarantino and his ways towards women and everything like that but he singled out Reservoir Dogs and it Annoyed me, thoroughly annoyed me because uh, what you say, what it, should you have really have female characters in the film that are that are other than secondary, just just for the sake political of it. correctness? Yeah. I, it annoyed me because they he he, I you you, you you get this is that you take modern day aesthetics and trying to put it on something from ninety three. And it's like saying, well, you couldn't get away with doing Reservoir Dogs today because you don't have strong female characters when you do not need female characters in yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Doesn't fit the story. No. No. So should it's, it's like saying you should really add these characters in just so that it keeps certain movements happy, which I thought was yeah. I the article was a load of rubbish because you did not need the characters in there. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You have the waitress, and if you look at Pulp Fiction, waitress that doesn't get tipped by Mr. Pink. Yeah. It's Steve Buscemi as Buddy Holly waiter in. Pulp Fiction. Who doesn't? Who you don't find out if they tip him or not. Yeah. He becomes so that's what he was. Yeah. 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 It's sort of like so that's amusing. But you don't need female characters in a film just for the sake of it. No, and and vice versa. I mean, yeah. something like Thelma and Louise. You don't need a strong male presence no. because it is. It's a film about women and their relationship with each other. Just as this is a film about fellas. You know. And I know. Uh, I know he's not here today, but Fat Ganka goes on about how he doesn't like the uh, female female Ghostbusters film. Yeah. Personally, I love the female I love it. I think it's a fantastic film. If you've not seen it, give it a shot. Just don't listen to the critics. Make your own opinion up. Yeah. I thought it was a worthy sequel to the original Ghostbusters. I didn't like Ghostbusters too, but it works with strong female characters. In the male character, uh, Chris uh, Evansworth is there for laughs, and I thought, in in that sense, uh, if a female-driven film works, it works. If a male-driven film works, it works. You should not put pick out Quentin Tarantino which a lot of people do but yeah. the way the character portrayed and everything they do like to it's, it's kind of in vogue 
you get these periods yeah, where yeah. slating Quentin Tarantino, especially recently for how lo- how many times he uses the N word, you know, like in especially in the last two films, but they were westerns, yeah, and that was a word that that was in common usage back, you know, in in the eighteen hundreds, and even when Samuel L. Jackson sort of uses it quite a lot in in the earlier films, it doesn't feel malicious. It's just it's I suppose it. It's just how that culture, you know, that LA culture, especially with the black gangsters, even now, like, that's the way they talk, yeah. you know, and shying away from it's even worse in a way. It's like not showing swastikas in a war yeah. film, you know, it's just Pandering. stupid. We're all, we all know, like, these things happen, so pointing them out, like, and it just goes back to the female thing as well, like, not slating Reservoir Dogs because it doesn't have any females in it, because now that's the thing we expect. It's just silly, I mean... It doesn't have a heist, but it's a heist movie. Yeah. You don't see the heist. But now you you have to go. We've got to have X amount of women. Yeah. You've got to have X amount of, you know, D- diverse. Yeah. yeah. I just want to point out. But it came to uh, you look at ninety five when there was hardly any Hispanics in films. Yeah. And Robert Rodriguez, you look at his films. They they are littered with them in a brilliant way. I mean, we've, because of him, we've got Isa Gonzalez. We've got Selma Hayek. Antonio Banderas is a main yeah, Danny, yeah. the legend is Dan, Danny Trejo yeah. and and uh, and he, people forget that the likes of Tarantino and you look at say I mean I know he was in other films prior to uh, prior to Pulp Fiction but Quentin Tarantino was the one that put Samuel L. Jackson on the map yeah he in did a, in a big way uh, look at Uma Thurman's career gave John Travolta a, re- a re- yeah you know reinvigorated so for so for all these, I mean, who's the who's the the, the main villain in uh, Django? Yeah, in Django, yeah. you look, you got uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, but the ringmaster is not Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio. Yeah, it's Samuel Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, he's the one that's the, that he's got. Is the white character is the puppet? Yeah. Of the ultimate, the master slave owner who's black. Yeah. And it's, it's just brilliant. So anyone who throws throws all this crap at uh, Quentin Tarantino. A lot of thought goes into it. You look at yeah. you look at the racist white guy and the black bounty hunter in Hateful Eight. Those two are friends at the end to take yeah. down. Yeah. And they and both of them have honor at the end when it's like Samuel L. Jackson's uh, character says. He says the hangman wanted her to hang, so we're going to hang her. So these two together, and he ends up trusting the white. Yeah. Watch Hateful Eight. If you haven't, you just reached it off. Yeah, yeah, ago. yeah. He ends up. Uh, siding the two people that, that the opposing ends yeah. side together to do something good for the hangman that was killed earlier in the film it, it's brilliant so people who throw all this crap at Tarantino and I've seen an interview where, ta- where they're going about violence in Tarantino oh, films yeah, yeah. and he basically tells her to shut her up yeah. basically shuts her down because he doesn't want to talk about it and people and it, it happened to Robert Downey Jr. when he was promoting uh, Marvel films and they want to just talk about his past yeah why do you want to talk Same about guy, people's passes? It? Yeah, though there's two. There's one was female with Tarantino, and it was yeah Martin Bashir yeah. as well. He's the one that shut that. He that Tarantino got annoyed with as well, and so did Robert Downey Jr. Because why do they want to bring up the past? Yeah, and stuff that brought up in interviews before. It's just gutter reporting, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, if you don't like these films, switch it off. Yeah, don't don't just don't even bother. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot more horror and violence out there. Video games are worse than Tarantino films. I'm sorry, real life is yeah. worse. 
horror films, you don't go on to horror directors all the time going about the violence in films, and a lot of no. horror films are, go- are glorified just to see how the people die. Yeah. That's why I stopped watching horror films, is when you realise you're, you're not siding for the people that want you want to live. You just want to see how they get off in ingenious and gory ways. That's what yeah. turned me off to the horror genre. But Tarantino films, they when, when they get the violence... It's it's it is cartoon violence, but sometimes yeah, it is gruesome. Yeah, I mean, I watched it. Watch an extended cut, which is a comic book movie. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that's ultra violent. Yeah, well, Watchmen's grim, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I love the comic book. That's I love the comics, and I love the Watchmen films. And Zack Snyder's fantastic, great film. But I'm just saying it's ultra violent. This is not to detract you from watching it. It's fantastic. No. But if it'd been Tarantino that done Watchmen, you know all these people would be going out about. You know, yeah, the violence yeah. in this film, why did you really have to show? Did you really have to show a big seven-foot penis on the screen? It's... Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, if you want to go deep with the violence, well, fucking Disney, man. Yeah. Like, how trauma affects uh, all his films. Dumbo, we watched... Uh, we watched After we watched the live-action Dumbo, which oh, was fantastic, one, yeah. Tim Burns. Afterwards, we went and found the original Disney animated... Oh, what my God, the? it's... All, it's Drug-inducing! Yeah. I've never done drugs in my life, but I figured uh, that's like what I was legitimately yeah. And, oh, yeah, I, I, I hate that whole reverse argument with the, the violence in the media thing. And I think the whole torture scene with Marvin again, that's probably one of the first times I ever remember there being a big kick-up about, you know, violence. Is it going too far in mainstream films and that? And even then I thought, no, it isn't. You know, I've seen worse stuff than this but there's nothing to it like no, we said earlier like you don't see it yeah yeah it's, you, but is that is that why it's worse you don't see Marvin's brain get blown out you, you just see the after you just see no. gunpoint and then squib or whatever they used to to cover the back see you don't even see it when they're cleaning it all up yeah it is but because it's Quentin Tarantino yeah we, ha- we have to you know I mean if you compare it to something like George Romero's films they're bloodbaths yeah but Tarantino like it, it's done I don't want to say tastefully but it's done creatively yeah shall we say like artistically you know, artistically yeah yeah I don't want to sound too pompous there but yeah that's right yeah yeah and the way that, that he cuts and the way that he well doesn't cut in some instances is is, is the difference between you know something like Saw yeah. you know it, it's just it, it's a world of difference seemingly one take when they go around the table and they have yeah. the vision and, and where he's doing the whole speech about like a virgin oh, like a virgin yeah, yeah. did you hear the story about that that um, Madonna actually really likes the film but she sent him a copy of Erotica the album that yeah. that song's on yeah. with a, a note saying dear Quentin love the film but this isn't about dick it's about love yeah <laughs> <laughs> I remember quoting when I was at college either the, I only quoted the line and that you know, he just came out. Said, yeah, you, you, you. I was younger at the time, and he was dick, 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 and uh, <laughs> I just explained doing the whole, I was doing the whole Tarantino thing. How many, it's a lot. I do remember doing the whole spiel, and uh, uh, and uh, some girl pulled, pulled it out how it was offensive towards some feminists, pointed out it was offensive towards women. So there had been going on since '93. Yeah. So you actually realise at the time you've got to be very careful what you say and where you say it. I know though this is on YouTube, and I'm hoping that. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this on YouTube, that it hasn't been taken down for for language, which we haven't said the f bomb. We don't swear on here at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I think I have already. Yeah, it. but it's only but the yeah. well, REM swear on their albums. But uh, you've got to be 18 to watch this film anyway. So. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, REM's throwing their arms, but they have um, some of their arms, but they don't actually have parental guidance singles on if you listen to a song called Ignore Line. So I'm just pointing out you can slip these things yeah, through yeah. if it's done tastefully. Okay, I'm just going to break for a second and just say one thing. We usually do these for 45 minutes, but I think we're going to extend this for an hour today if yeah, you're yeah. up for it. Because yeah, you yeah. are actually having. I actually thought we'd be lucky if we get 20 minutes. This is what I love about doing these things when we do them. Yeah. Oh, so organic today, this is. And I just want to click cut to a few. Just to, I had, We had notes, but I did for. Uh, questions for this for this podcast and so I love these things when we do because it's so organic yeah and we're doing it and I just got uh, asked uh, God, what's, what's your what's your favourite part of the film oh god probably the um, I think it's always been my favourite part is the um, you know the scene where Mr Orange is rehearsing the commode story yeah and he's on about the the state troopers in the toilet with the dog and that I, I love that scene because it's all about you know, it's it's where the fourth wall's nearly being broken. You know, where um, his boss is telling him to be a great undercover cop, you have to be a great actor, and you have to remember your part and your lines. And we're in a film where people have to remember their yeah. part and their lines. And it's it's and they even do this in Pulp Fiction before they go in to kill um, the guys in the apartment. They say, um, right, let's get in character. And it's almost like a it, it it doesn't take you out in the slightest, but it's almost like a yeah we're still in a film here we're just having fun guys. Naturalistic. Yeah. Because when you actually split it's to the scenes, it's a story scenes, about yeah. storytelling. You actually see him going and they split to the scenes where he's actually telling the dialogue yeah, in the it toilet. Never happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the dog and everything. It's, 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 it's great. Just, it's it, it's superb and it doesn't take you outside the film. No, not not in one. For me, I, I mean, I, I like the ending. I like the ending when you you watch it multiple times. You oh, see that Mister. You see that Mr. Orange, this stuff like Mr. Blonde is sitting on the hearse. You see the three coffins standing in the background, foreboding the ending. Yeah, yeah. But for me, in terms of inspiration, and is I do, and I bear in mind, I, I love the use of music, and I also love the opening with Little Green Bag. But I have to say, is the speech about Madonna at the start. I know I just <laughs> yeah, mentioned yeah. it. I absolutely love it. And I remember in 93 being so influenced and, and how they do it and actually analysing music you can actually yeah. and that's the, what the thing and you know you can go from years for actually watching things but sometimes when you watch something something will stick in the back of your head yeah and uh, and it gets to the point where it becomes part of your vocabulary and you forget where you get it from yeah and analysing songs and uh, I always use Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears I can't stand Britney Spears and the song's terrible in my opinion, but oh you can actually go and it's uh, you know you can actually change the meaning to it to be or it's not about it's it's about a, uh, about someone that likes being tied up. Hit me, baby, or just taking songs and making the meaning to yeah. it, which I'm sure the writers had no didn't want it to do. So that's why I like it is because it it was such a major influence on me as yeah, when I was younger the, I think it's the first scene you ever see in a Tarantino film isn't it and it's Quentin Tarantino talking you know I, I, it's, I got, love, it's got to be deliberate and I love Mr okay which goes on to you your favourite character I like Mr White I think Harvey Keitel plays a, a brilliant part in this he just seems he seems like the old style sort of anti-hero gangster that's can be nice you know like his rea- his relationship with Mr Orange is brilliant the fact that he sort of takes this guy and this young boy under his wing and he doesn't know he's a cop yeah. but it is quite a they're, they're quite uh, you, you feel you feel a bit sympathy for these yeah. guys even though they're the bad guys you know definitely and I like why. that 
definitely white at the end. Yeah, and I think his name, Mr. White, yeah. you know, they're sort of getting at the whole, you know, here's your, here's your white knight character. Yeah, the good guy that's bad. Yeah, yeah. When the heist went wrong. and Yeah, and, and like, like he says about, you know, if there's a choice between doing 10 years uh, or, or, or not at all, you know, I, I'm just going to kill whoever's in my way, but I'm not a psychopath. No. You know, I'm not going to... Blonde is, though. Blonde is definitely a psychopath, yeah. I have to go with Brown because he likes to Tarantino yeah, yeah. as a character and he, even his spiel in uh, in uh, Pulp Fiction and the bit in Hateful Light where, oh, where, yeah. where they had the where they had the, the pee break in the <laughs> cinema and he comes back and he does a recap for the last 15 minutes well 15 minutes happens and I, I just love Tarantino for the way he yeah. talks and, I, and I, like I said I could watch interviews with him all day so I've got to say uh, Mr. Brown all the good, way yeah. but I also like Pink because Steve you see me and as anybody who knows me will know that one of my favourite films is Big Lebowski Big Lebowski so you got Donnie shut the fuck up Donnie yeah she, I, I fucking love sorry pardon my language you see what a bomb I love Big Lebowski so thank you Tech Quentin for giving us Steve you see thank you for everything but you gave us some really yeah, great I, I, I must admit I really do like Mr Pink in that he's the one that he seems like the audience entry point yeah. in that film for me like when he's do you know when, when they're sitting there discussing like who could, who the rat could be yeah. and he's going he, he's you know and Mr White says something like how do I know it's not you and he's like oh good you're thinking with your head now yeah. you know like that's what we're all doing we're thinking oh, who could it be he's the he is the uh, the worst of the film he is the worst yeah but he's also like the he's the I'm, logical get, get yeah, out I'm gonna get out here. I'm gonna yeah, a, a, yeah and this. he knows there's something wrong yeah you, you're a psychopath. I know it's not you, and it's you. Is is like yeah. he's, he's showing Mr. White's on the level, Mr. And when he figure it out, and he just doesn't. He's the one that has his head screwed on more than the others because yeah. like said, oh, White is with the emotion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it tells bonds. tells him his name, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he doesn't want. He's, he's, you don't find out Pink's name. No, you don't know. I mean, he makes a point of saying, "I don't want to know your name." Yeah, like you know, if they get to me, they can get. They, they can, can get, get to you. Get to me. Yeah, and he does the. <laughs> he does the. The, the thing maybe everyone would do at the end and makes off with a diamond yeah and whether he survives or not but you know it's the idea of him just thinking does he survive? I'm done here yeah I don't think he does but no you don't think he's I in don't a think he does. federal penitentiary somewhere I think he's dead I think he's dead I think he's dead you hear shots but whether or not he, it was him firing the shots at the cops either way yeah maybe yeah like I said this is a discussion we could do for another time is, okay, Tarantino actors. If you look at Tarantino films, even though uh, John Travolta's only appeared in one, hasn't he? I yeah, he's in four, yeah. four rooms, but I'm not sure if it's a Tarantino directed. But in terms of feature length films, uh, people look at John Travolta as a Tarantino actor. But if you look at the likes of Tim Roth, yeah, he is it, he's Tim Roth, Michael yeah. Madsen, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel, yeah, he's done at least two. He's Winston Wolf, isn't he? He's Wolf, yeah. Which is basically the same character yeah. as Mr. White. So, yeah, and those are actors that you you literally it, it gives you that sort of sense of that that in, interconnectivity again because yeah. I think there's a there's a part in Reservoir Dogs where where it's doing the backstory for each character and Mr. White's talking to Joe and he mentions something about um, are you and Alabama still together well Alabama's the character from True Romance yeah. and it's that sort of isn't his name Clarence what's that isn't no it's White's. the girl no, white as well. Oh, so I always assumed Larry, it was isn't it? Larry, yeah, yeah, could be Clarence. And Clarence yeah, um, from yeah, it's just I've always thought they were the same, or at least in some kind of connected way. way. Well, I mean, Brad Pitt in True Romance yeah. is supposed to be a relative of 
older rain from Inglorious Bastards apparently <laughs> but I don't know it's, but, but it's that little yeah. you know the, the, the that that's using the same actors affords you that chance to do yeah. things like that it's like seeing uh, it's like seeing Tim Roth and uh, Michael Madsen in Hateful Eight yeah alongside Samuel L. Jackson who auditioned for Reservoir Dogs but appeared in Pulp Fiction yeah and it's just it's having and of course Zoe Bell and I think Kurt Russell's done too now hasn't yeah. he yeah so oh he's the guy in Kurt Russell just so, Kurt Russell yeah oh, he, he's he's, he's yeah. just the man yeah and of course you've got ah uh, what's his name ah uh, uh, Stingy Park James Park oh yeah yeah the sheriff from yeah the, yeah because he's in his son his father yeah, I think he's Ray Park is actually in uh, Hateful Eight not Ray Park Ray Park Star Wars yeah, yeah. James Park and who's his father this is where you, this is James Park and his father is cause he, uh, El McGraw isn't it you got James Park and yeah that's right yeah and it's Michael Park who was in uh, from Dust Till Dawn Dust Till Dawn Kill Bill. Kill Bill films yeah yeah so you've got all these and this Planet Terror yeah yeah so it's yeah Grindhouse Oh McGraw Death Proof and Planet Earth, Terror so you've got this whole and you've, you've got the whole I mean he's, he's one of the actors like uh, Robert Rodriguez uses he has his own actors set of yeah. actors because you look at just the name of Danny Trejo and Quentin uh, Tarantino has appeared in, in some of his films so yeah. it's, 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 it's I, I, I always like the the direct the auto directors you know that that use the same people like mm. Martin Scorsese does it you know yeah he uses Leonardo DiCaprio isn't it and oh, that's fantastic Tim Burton always uses Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp if you can Danny Elfman to the yeah. music you know that it's like the idea that they have a crew that they always use and stick to George Lucas with John Williams yeah. you know or uh, Steven Spielberg makes you rest in peace uh, Quentin Tarantino and Sally Mink yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was scared when she passed away. Yeah, just like she feel with Werner Fields. Yeah, you know the, the the same. It's nice when they they take with them, and one yeah. of the things I guess oh yeah, I don't slightly off subject for a second, is I like the way that Robert Rodriguez has had, you know with the Latino actors and how he he hires not necessarily you know he hires people that you would not expect at the time. But we've thank you to Robert Rodriguez. We have Isa Gonzalez now. She was in the from Dusk Will Dawn the series. Yeah. We have Salma Hayek now. We do, and it's and of course Danny Trejo. He he gave us he oh Danny Trejo giant Danny Trejo was another stuff prior to Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. But we have these actors, and of course Samuel Jackson, with uh, Quentin Tarantino, and uh, and even uh, I mean look at Tim. Ro- Tim Roth made a uh, name for him. I mean, if you look at Harvey Keitel, I know he was uh, big a lot before, but how many people is, is Harvey Keitel known as Mr. White now? You've got Michael Madsen, Chris Penn, who's I yeah, don't think it's no Steve Buscemi. Yeah. He rested his role, Chris uh, Penn. Steve Buscemi, and uh, you look at that, it, it's... And then you've got Eddie Bunker, who yeah. was a real, like, a burglar. You know, went spent time in jail. And he's Mr. Blue. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's just... Fantastic, the casting it is, is yeah. everything is, and, and even I think isn't it later on, isn't Tom Savini in Django Unchained as well? So you've even got I'll have to watch and that. He's yeah. obviously in from Dust to Dawn, but it's and Dust to Dawn to be serious, got point using out. people from even the past of cinema yeah. in it. You know, 
and they bring them to a new audience. Yeah. How many people go and watch these films and go, who's Tom Savini? Yeah. I got the biggest pop, I know it's slightly off subject, when uh, I saw Sex Machine in the TV series chatting to Sex Machine from the films in, in Dust of the Dawn, the series. I had one of those, like, this is, this is Tom Savini it's and Jake Butte. Is he together? This it? is just... Yeah. And none of this would have been possible without Quentin Tarantino, who actually wrote Dust of the Dawn and got the yeah. done back so Robert Rodriguez could make it. I thought he directed it for years. Oh, I really Rodriguez. did. And then I... Uh, if you get a chance to watch a documentary which absolutely thoroughly annoys me it's not on the blu-ray that's why i don't have it on blu-ray for dust to dawn is the uh, full tilt boogie the making of dust to dawn is one of yeah. my favorite documentaries on films and it's just yeah i mean tarantino and rodriguez when they collaborate it's yeah it's powerhouse me, it's, isn't it and it wouldn't have happened if without sundance and without reservoir. el mariachi and reservoir dogs so a lot of what we have and a lot of going further afield which we will cover on another sub on another podcast is Reservoir Dogs was, was ground zero with in my opinion El Mariachi which didn't hit the height of Reservoir Dogs so you could argue that that Reservoir Dogs was ground zero for yeah. a movement that brought us these filmmakers I mean the, yeah it's like the class of 92 isn't it you know from yeah. from I mean, they've. I think Merrimax even are even called the house that Quentin built, you know, yeah. informally, aren't they? Yeah. So, I watched yeah. uh, an episode of Chef the series, and uh, I got so giddy when Robert Rodriguez. This is the episode with Robert Rodriguez in, and he's talking to John Favreau and how when they were making, I think it was Swingers, which I still haven't seen, which I really want to see, how he Robert uh, sorry. Uh, John Favreau gave a copy of Rebel Without a Crew to his, I think, his, my, I don't got me on this one, Doug Lyman or someone who actually directed the director oh, of Swingers. Oh, did um, Swingers. The guy Identity did, as well. Did Swingers. Oh. He gave him a copy of the director of Swingers, a copy of Rebel Without a Crew. So it's knowing that in the same period I'd read Rebel, I read Rebel Without a Crew about 96, So it's, not, it's great knowing that the director, one of my favourite directors, other than Quentin Tarantino, is John Favreau. That John Favreau read the same book in the same yeah. period I did, which wouldn't have come about if it hadn't been for Reservoir Dogs, because Reservoir Dogs and the association after Desperado, yeah. and me go back to El Mariachi. So I actually watched El Mariachi on the back of having read the book without a crew, and it's just everything was everything goes back to Reservoir yeah. Dogs in my opinion. Yeah, as the I know there was other independent films prior to that in that generation. Oh, but, but not of that. It was the Not, one that was to me. It was it's ground yeah, zero for it me. Broke the the mold, didn't it? Yeah, especially. And when you were in education, as I was when in '93, I was uh, I went. I'll be honest. I, I did a I did a I did a when I was a GCSE level prior to '93, between '91 and '93. I can't remember what year it was. I got a GCSE in media, and then I did media at uni, at college, and I did uh, media production with uh, journalism at university. Uh, it goes to show if you if you're having problems and you haven't you're wondering why you, ha you haven't got courage, go out and do something because you can always come back to it no matter how old you get you do you still have all this stuff in and uh, it's yeah it's just uh, yeah so to me Reservoir Dog was ground yeah. zero in one of the most important parts of my life when I was in education so it's always Tarantino was always going to have a, a soft spot for me yeah and it was all thanks to Reservoir Dogs you see the world differently if you after Reservoir Dogs they did and that's why I like I like the champion every year I have to find a small film admittedly yeah. my, my film so far this year yesterday has been a little oh, bit more oh fantastic yeah. it's been a little bit more of a not, not more commercial but successful it's not, cult it's more, yeah. yeah I mean I think 
I mean, we always pride ourselves on trying to find each other cult films yeah. that we can pass on. I think um, my one for you was what we do in the shadows, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely fantastic! Then, uh, if you if you're listening to this, which you obviously are, find something you're passionate about and share it. We sit down with your friends. I love, I I you know, I prefer it when Callum actually picks the subjects or. Because it means that I have to go out and do the research. Yeah, I mean, I, try, I don't, I don't like, I don't want to be like, the this is what we're doing. It's more like, uh, should we look at this? Yeah. And I like that. That's and do, doing something on Tarantino was was probably one of the best decisions because I it's been in my forefront of my mind recently just how how much he actually does mean to the the whole. Here's an interesting thing then for Reservoir Dogs. Is there any of it that you rewatching didn't like? Any parts that you not necessarily didn't like, but thought, well, not not so good holding up. Anything? No. And I'll no. tell you what. There's one part for me, but I'll list what what. I have the uh, when I'm watching things at home, I'll, I will. I'm sorry, I'm guilty of this. If it's a film I've seen, yeah, I do have a tendency to go on IMDb and look up do research. Oh, same yeah. But when I was doing it, I've got a notepad. I actually have it in front of me, and I've not used any notes from it today. I have four pages of notes I wrote on Reservoir Dogs, and I'm watching it. And I I enjoyed every moment. I'm writing scribbling stuff down because I'm enjoying it so yeah, much. I deeply. I and I got like I said, I came out of it like I said, like use your quotes like you said earlier, like a shot of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. So there's nothing that if I'd had my way and we hadn't been doing it for a podcast, my notes would have been down. And again, goes back to when I was at university, we had to watch on golf bit. So we are going over the, the an hour and a bit, which is, which is yeah. like, so far 40 minutes longer than I thought we'd ever go for on this yeah, one, no, the, no. Two, the two of us. I mean, we'll probably do a commentary on it. Yeah. One so, day. we will. Not probably, we are. Sorry, dude. No, Check no, we will. Yeah, no. 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 Uh, when I was at university, we had to watch a film called uh, North by Northwest. We did do notes and we do it because we watch it, then we do a seminar afterwards. And five minutes in, F this. I'm enjoying the film, so basically I messed myself yeah, up. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the fact that we're doing this podcast, I would not. I would have put the notepad down. I'd have had the phone down. And you can't see this, but I have a. I have a. When I watch films at home, I have a seat. Uh, I have my own special camping seat. <laughs> I, I set it up like a cinema seat. So when I'm enjoying it, I've got my drinking. I've got a drink in the thing. I've got my cinema snacks in me. I don't want to leave the seat. No. I'm watching Reservoir Dogs. I don't want to leave the seat. I want to sit down. I want to enjoy yeah, the and you want to not... and I didn't. Yeah. Going back to the the question was, I didn't want to leave the seat. Yeah. I just wanted to sit down and enjoy the film, and start to finish. I enjoyed this film. See, there was one, there was one tiny scene for me, but rewatching it, I thought, didn't feel like it belonged, or maybe it dated a little bit. And it's the Mr. Blonde flashback when he comes out of prison, and he goes to see Joe and Nice Guy Eddie. I just, I feel like, Mr. Blonde didn't need a backstory. Like it's a superfluous one, maybe. Maybe just seeing Mr. Oranges and Mr. Whites was what we needed, and I, I just think it's a really sh- rewatching it. It's a strange decision to have him have a backstory because, I mean, in a way, it sets up the psych. It, it doesn't show that he's a psycho there, but then later on, it does because the surprise. So I suppose maybe that. But I, it for me, it just felt like a bit unnecessary. But not in. It doesn't in any way denigrate the film, but. He actually built up the character for me. It, yeah, no, it I, shows that, I get that the only yeah, person but... that they did. That nice guy Eddie and Joe. 
Joe Cabot, yeah, uh, actually trusts is blind, the psychopath. Yeah, yeah. So because of the time, they're psychopaths. Yeah, yeah, it actually set them up how he did the time for the. So oh, whereas that one. we treat our gateway character yeah. is Mr. Orange. Yeah, and in some ways pink as well. I think. Yeah, but but maybe Joe orange, and yeah. Eddie. Nice guy Eddie's character is Mr. Blonde because whereas we are taking this perspective of uh, we are taking the perspective of pink as you said and orange yeah and we are the nice guy is Mr. White uh, nice guy Eddie and Joe Cabot are always going to side with Blonde yeah but we now know their motivation that they right, not, yeah. he's not just some psychopath no no he's so, like almost family isn't he? yeah yeah you said okay, you're telling I'll, I'll me you that, that you're telling me that that would suddenly go out and betray us after doing years for us. He could have sold us out at any time. Yeah. So we now know why. Why they don't believe. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's, that's, that I think that moment's kind of funny as well because Mr. Yeah. Orange's face is just like, oh shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and but that's, we only find out all this to the end as we're ramping it all as we're ramping it all up and kind of funny because he is actually sitting on I say that word he is sitting on the ramp and everything is, uh, everything sets it up for that one that final crescendo yeah and there's that that brilliant final moment where they all shoot each other and you literally have to freeze frame it to yeah. see who shot who it's, yeah it's, it's, try it go away and do it and see if you can list who shoots who it's really and there's the mystery bullet filmmaking. phantom bullet isn't there yes that's right yeah yeah who's it it's someone gets hit and no one yeah. shot is it shot yeah where is see, again, you have to freeze frame it and do it, but it takes away from the mystery. It's, when you first see that, though, you, you you're like, well, what, what, what? Yeah. What? Who just got yeah. hit there? And I, that's what I, I I truly love the and this is what I love about these sort of films is that we after all this time we are still discussing it. And yeah. Like I said, I've got four pages of notes. We could go for two hours, and I I'm saving the notes for a future for future. Uh, for future stuff and we are going to like I said this is going to be an ongoing thing yeah and uh, we will be doing Pulp Fiction very soon and we will now thanks to Callum we are now doing a after we've done a uh, little little plug because we're going to have to start ramping this up soon but a little plug we are going to be doing a Star Wars one and episode 2 is going to be absolutely fantastic so a little yeah. plug for another we'll for another commentary. high ground yeah we're yeah. going to do a, an episode 2 commentary this is the one where we're going to have no objects because we have completely different opinions. <laughs> we See, we're not leading it. Out. Yeah, no, this we is going to be doubt. Out. This is one of the, I, I love conflict when we're doing that's, these things. That's the thing. Art, art can and should be plural. What I like, you might not like. What I like, you might like. You know, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It's if you can explain why you don't like yeah. it and the reasons that it is important to you or isn't. You know, and that's what's missing from criticism now. It, it's just it's just nastiness and it's yeah. venom and it's 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 well my opinion is better than yours just cause well, I just, and uh, that just doesn't no, hold up now, now that you said that I've got to ask you one question what's your favourite Tarantino film? my favourite is probably I'm going to be bored and say Pulp Fiction but that's upon a lot of reflection it used to be whatever one came out Yeah. the newest one was the best one for me you know um, but I think I, if, you, if I have to analyse and, and sort of consider my opinion it, I'm going to have to go with the boring response it would have probably been Django for a long time just because I thought western yes but 
Um, no, it's Pulp Fiction, I think. I'm going to say Jackie Brown. Uh, because ah, I, like, uh, yeah. I, I like Jackie Brown. Sadly, it's the only one I've not seen on the big screen. Which really annoys me. But I like Jackie Brown. And I, I will go into it more when we, uh, when we actually do the Jackie Brown one. But I just wanted to just, I just had to say that because... Uh, they mentioned Pangria in this, actually, don't they? Yeah, Pangria. Now, the Pangria wasn't she... And the other actress that was in the Fox Christine Brown Lowe, TV series. Yeah. yeah. Now, because... Just because our opinions differ, yeah. there's no right, there's no wrong. And this is what I like doing with these this podcast is that um that we have different opinion and yeah. but I think we can both agree that Reservoir Dogs is a fantastic film. Oh still and is, yeah. Yeah. Like it st- still feels raw and experimental and yeah. new now even watching it. And th- these are films that we know every single line and every beat of, you know, like it's it's not like we're going oh I didn't notice that before I mean it may be in some cases but yeah it's still it, it has the panache that it had when it first came out I think I gotta say and this is uh, seeing it on the Blu-ray reminded me of being in the cinema again because when I saw it at the cinema after years you, you notice the little things yeah and because the print I know it seems to be like um, we, we're not being uh, we're not being uh, sponsored or anything by by uh, whoever does the Blu-ray, unless you I want just, to, uh, yeah, which will happily take the money, <laughs> so we could do more of these. But ah, uh, it's one of the few films on Blu-ray I actually watched that when I'm sitting right in front of the TV, and I'm like, wow, I never noticed that look before. The little things, how, yeah, how it's the craft, uh, how, and this one I'm going to point out more on the thing. If you look in the background of Joe Cabot's office, you've got two tusks, elephants. It's like, and I think there's some other dead animal somewhere in there on the okay. walls. And I thought this is a sign of death and how his wealth, yeah, yeah, how his wealth is based on death. And I was like, this is the sort of stuff that was on my notes that I was going to talk about. Yeah, that's why we're going to do another one on the film with where we do the audio commentary. So I just, you notice things like that, but I actually noticed something like that was sitting in front of the TV and doing it. She's not one of these things I usually notice. Yeah, yeah. And this is why I just want to go on about how great the quality of the print was. You know, what else is unique about this one. No foot fetish. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as far as I can see. But it's not like a foot massage is not like touching the holies <laughs> of the holies. You see, we talk. Right? This is the beauty of Tarantino and everything that came from Tarantino is we are actually we talk like about that. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and what you see now, people talking about films, you know, Tarantino and uh, Rodriguez and um, comic books with uh, Kevin Smith and yeah, yeah. and Morat. What is Especially Kurt more and Chasing Amy, uh, is it all goes back to this being ahead of the time and how yeah, yeah. the geek culture and the cinema culture, the underground culture, which is dominant today, yeah, it's the goes nu- back to us about dogs. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the nuclear explosion. Of yeah, the, the, the new sort of um, what's the word? The new culture in films, I think, and it's something. It just feels like it's not there anymore. I, I, I'm like you say I'm, there's no independent cinema quote now it, it's it's still European you know even even in over here in the UK it's not really I mean Danny Boyle does films now and again I mean yesterday was great but I, I can't that's it, combination he's the last great him and Edgar Wright and the, you can't really think of many British directors am I missing one one which which is going to be for another commentary, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm throwing it out here now. Alex Garland, you oh, know Alex how Garland, annoyed yeah, I was. Yeah, you Garland, absolutely yeah. know how annoyed... About Annihilation, yeah. Uh, yeah, you see, Cal actually understands. 
Because Annihilation going straight to Netflix was one of the biggest. It yeah. See, Netflix is killing me off. Netflix kills things like that because as soon as I see something as a Netflix original film, I immediately think passed over for cinema distribution. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. You I know, want it on Blu-ray. And I, ju- and I just think you know it's a sad time when Netflix is putting bids in for films that could have just went cinema, but it's mm. cheaper to just put them on yeah. Netflix. You know. But it's. I think, yeah, that's another podcast as well, Screen yeah. and Services. Annihilation, Battle of the Bus Scrubs, both, when I watched those, I set the TV up, I had my curtains drawn, this was prior to, you know, getting, if you want to experience, you can get cheap uh, projectors. projectors for about 50 quid, and I actually got one so I can actually watch classic movies on the big screen, because I'm so annoyed with the way cinema's gone at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, what I did was, so what I did, because I set my, I literally set the living room up, and it was just me on my own, Annihilation, and same with Ballon of Scrags, had my snacks next to me, and I treated it like a cinema, and, and, yeah, it annoys me. Yeah, 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 thoroughly. I mean, it, this, uh, it's getting to the point where Tarantino, like the 90s are now 20 years ago, so Tarantino's now an, an old guard filmmaker, yeah. you know, it, Grindhouse after it bombed in America would have gone straight to Netflix if it had been released oh, today yeah. that's only about 12 years ago yeah ex- yeah, definitely and probably even Reservoir Dogs maybe yeah if it released now would, would people like it because he wouldn't have been around to reintroduce it there wouldn't be yeah that's what I was about to say it's the same things you could argue and this is you know I never drew these comparisons until, until this conversation Star Wars changed cinema yeah and so did Reservoir Dogs so if you take those two out of the equation of what cinema would be like, which is something going back to the reasoning about Danny Boyle, yeah. about with the Beatles, how would the world be without the Beatles? If you take, take key that. things away, we wouldn't be where, where we, we are, are yeah, today. Yeah. Cinema, would, yeah. the landscape would have been completely different. So we owe, again, going back to where we were saying, we owe all this to Rise of Our Dogs. Yeah, that'd be a good podcast as well. Yeah. What if so-and-so didn't exist? You know? That would, yeah. <laughs> but, or what would a world be like where we had the first drafts of things. Yeah. So like the first draft of something like um I don't know, like Star Wars, like yeah. it, which was awful. Yeah. You know. And what if it was this little cult movie from the seventies that no one ever liked? See and, and I think like, what if that had happened to Tarantino? It's highly upsetting to think about. If we wouldn't be where we are today. No. I've always said that this is one thing I've always liked and this is where I think Blu-ray should they should do it in Blu-rays, and is I've always wanted to see rough cuts. Yeah. If you stick a first cut on, if yeah. you go about the most famous one at the moment is the Zack Snyder cut. Of, oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah, but it's like the Blade Runner original cut. Oh yeah, I mean I, I um, like watching I like that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if you've got the the five disc version of Blade Runner with all the different versions watch the work print it's absolutely amazing just to see how films look without special yeah. effects and it's just an experience to see yeah. how how it's done and it really is it's probably something only a film buff would watch but but it's, it's a nice extra yeah it's the inside in, insight into you know how we perceive it as well pre-effects I'd love to see these movies pre-effects oh God, yeah, it's yeah. just it's, it's just it's too easy now to just stand in front of that. I mean, when you watch the making of the prequels, yeah. the Star Wars prequels, it's so boring. Yeah. They're, they're just standing in front of sheets. Yeah. And uh, it, 
old, you know, old in quote marks style filmmaking, you got the sense that someone made what you just saw. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that's what, and Tarantino does that better than anyone. Reservoir Dogs is almost no budget. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's just wearing what they, their own clothes, yeah. aren't they? I mean, and things like that, it, it shines through and it makes it more realistic in a way because we do go about in our own clothes. Yeah. We don't go and dress up like, Scarface and walk around in white suits you know it's we are how we are and low budget filmmaking always captures that that aesthetic something uh, Robert Rodriguez says this you say my love yeah. is that well you, I think Robert Rodriguez said I can't this is years ago so I read I stole a lot of rubbish in my head is that when he did like uh, Desperado very low budget yeah and he don't have the budget so he, he wanted to make him so that he could actually make so directors who want these films made, who studios want these films made, big looking films, they kind of want a low budget. Yeah. When you don't have much of a budget, you find ways around it. Because the creativity. You, yeah. Yeah. Find creative solutions to the yeah. problem. Whereas you've got money, you can just throw it all and post. Yeah. Or, so, and and you get, you get messes usually, don't you? I mean. It's like what I like about, uh, I didn't like Doctor Who until really I had to binge watch it before I went Cardiff. I am going somewhere with this story. I just want to point out. Is that, <laughs> They recycle a lot of sets and locations. Yeah. And they keep their budget so tight because you can actually physically go to where they film and actually go, oh, that's this, that's that, that's the other. Yeah. And that's brilliant when you see things be able to physically go to places and seeing stuff that you could go to. You could go to Top Man or Primark or somewhere and pick up black jeans, black trousers black uh, shoes white shirt black tie and you can go for the Reservoir Dogs look in a heartbeat yeah. you can affordably as well yeah you can do these things off the shelf so you, if you wanted to make movies uh, I mean I asked in the Warner Brothers studio tour because I was looking at you know the costumes can they have people around yeah I said to him about you look at some of the costumes the hero costumes they call the heroes the ones I mean actors wear and the, the uh, and that are actually prominent in the film or even they don't all the hero costumes are custom made for the for the characters yeah but you look like you could actually go into somewhere like Primark and buy and pick it. them up yeah but background would be off the shelf and and that's the thing that I like is when you have a low budget you have to you can say a lot more through costumes yeah. you know a lot about a character if I was to make a film of, uh, about a rock star or a rock star a rock fan you go out, you find a de- you find a denim jacket, you load it up with patches. You say a lot yeah. through the costumes. In some cases, you go through your own wardrobe. Yeah, if you've got that. And that's you, know. the, you look at what the dude wears. All Jeff, all yeah, Jeff yeah. Bridges stuff is in the Big Lebowski. So that's that's what I love. Yeah, I, it is. Yeah, I, na- it's it's more it's the naturalistic side of it rather than the I don't know the the like with stuff like fantasy and science fiction, you are stuck into a corner in terms of costume and. Right Except for some of the 80s stuff where they make like, where they make futuristic stuff look yeah. like 70s and 80s punks. Or like or Star Trek where you've got half mass trousers yeah. and polystyrene rocks. But um, yeah, it's just that you feel like someone's put an effort in when it's... When they have less money, I always feel like the film is, has had more effort pumped into it. You know, with the exception of things like Marvel and the new Star Wars films. I think a lot of big budget filmmaking is just... it's All we're doing is doubling this profit or trebling this profit and sod how we get there kind of thing do you know and 
yeah, I, I, that's missing. Even Tarantino's films now are massive budgets, but you still get that sense that he's pared it down to the, down to the, the acting. You know, is the most important thing, the story. I just think he wants to tell a story, and it's yeah, how he yeah. tells a story. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Once upon a time, yeah. Yeah, you look, as with a new one. Yeah. yeah. So we've got once upon a time in we've got once upon a time in Mexico, which was a which was a name that Tarantino actually did suggest for Rodriguez. Yeah. This is your Mexican trilogy or mariachi trilogy, and the third one has to be called Once Upon a Time in Mexico. So he does once Rodriguez Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Tarantino Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would, I think I always get the impression Rodriguez, apart from Spy Kids maybe, he likes to use the Western as a set, but a Mexican, you know, see it from the Mexican yeah. point of view because a lot of the a lot of all the films that I've seen of his anyway. I mean, it seems like the pairing downs there, like it's dusty, dirty sets. It looks like it's mostly bars, saloons, um, but that works. That works for his oof. I, even something like Planet Terror, it feels like Western-ish to me. You know, like the the t- the town against the army of it's like zombies in this. But for him, I've got to say, there's even more than Tarantino for, for, for Rodriguez. For me, it's his casting. Yeah, yeah. I I love Tarantino's Tarantino's casting superb, but but Rodriguez is. I can always tell a Rodriguez film more than Tarantino. I can tell the Tarantino because he has film for his cast he has a bigger name cast but with Rodriguez it's to me he has his Carla Gugino like I mentioned before Carla Gugino was in Spike it was also in Sin City uh, oh yeah she was yeah. he's a Gonzalez yeah like I said uh, from Dust Till Dawn was in I was in Alita yeah small part and Danny Trejo is in pretty much everything that's the only thing he was missing for Alita but that's another story is I totally forgot he did Sin City. That's, yeah. that's another one, isn't it? And Tarantino directed a bit of Sin City. He did, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, like I said, that's what I I love. And then this is, goes back to, we all go, everything we say, this is what I love about doing this. It's all going back to Tarantino and Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. It is. And I think it's really the way I've been talking has been inspired today. No, by that's right, yeah. It's, it's, it's like almost, you know, to quote Joe, come on, Ramblers, let's get Ramblers. Yeah. It's that... It, there's no slogans or catchphrases but some of the simplest dialogue is the stuff that sticks with you you know like in real life if yeah. someone says something you go well, that, was, that was funny the other day when so and so said blah yeah. blah blah it's the same sort of thing you know you remember these iconic lines that probably weren't meant to be iconic yeah. you know like like the Madonna thing yeah. opening it with that and at the time you probably would have thought well that's not going to take off like talking like this and then it does yeah. and it's great and 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 the foot thing from pulp fiction and and then i that, that you could go into so many of them going through the films um yeah it's just it's the it's the speech as well yeah i love the speech you always just great speeches uh, i know it's a very you listen to it now i love the jimmy speech and oh yeah yeah uh, i just I used to, to do that. I would never do it today. It's been the nineties. And I never actually did use the N word. I never liked it. I've never felt comfortable using it. No. But that's me. In that situation, though, it, it fits. It does. But nowadays, that would be one of the first things they'd pull up about politics. Yeah, you'd be, yeah. It is. Especially, well, I mean, the two Westerns got yeah. slated for that, didn't they? And you know, we just sort of said, again, like the violence thing. Like, what? what do you think these people spoke like yeah. back then you know some people speak like that now yeah. in some places you know it's 
I, I will take offence if someone uses it in a sense that, I, that I, 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 there's some things I could say which it's, I'm not because I just I, I, yeah. I, 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 it's I, still I think it's one of the probably one of two words that can still shock people I don't like that word I do, I do not yeah. like using the word I've never used the word and it's it's just to me it's it's a conversation ender isn't it yeah that someone the, the c word is I, I, some, <laughs> I, I use that word a lot. i do as well yeah that's because almost entered into yeah. common parlance again there as a, yeah. a joke hasn't it but yeah. you know if you bring that out in argument still you you've just fucking ended that argument when uh, someone someone used the word around me a couple of years ago i told them i didn't like it they used it another time i lost complete respect for that person and it, it round it rattled my cage because it was taken out of context yeah it's tarantino uses it in context of the film and everything yeah it's and not in, but it's not malicious no. you, excuse but me but when sorry. someone used it in the sense that i didn't like and i pointed yeah. out and they still proceeded to use it and i told them why i didn't like the, the use of the word and they still used it i was like yeah, I I think as well. There's another word he's also been denigrated for a lot is when he says bitch, a lot, you know, and yeah. like you know bitches, blah blah yeah. blah, you know, like and it's always against women and that. But that's, you know, to quote the forty year old virgin, I didn't mean it in a derogatory sense. You did, yeah. you know. That's that's the thing. Like the people thinking this are the ones that usually are taking it the wrong way. I did. I tell you, this uh, we st- watched a bit of. Uh, this is off subject again, but we'll, we'll bring it back in because we are running it. We could have watched a film while we were doing this, actually. Yeah. But there's, uh, y- if you watch things with people that are in education, yeah, you actually, and I never realised it before, there are some dialogue which they use against uh, people with learning difficulties, Tarantino has. Yeah. And the you R watch word. it. You, yeah. Yeah. When people, and that's not the only word he uses, he uses another term, uh, in the start dusk till dawn that uh, is when Elle McGraw's talking to the guy behind the counter. Yeah, and there's that scene in Pulp Fiction as well when Bruce Willis yes. sort of yeah. says it about Fabian, doesn't Yeah, he? and uh, if you watch someone in, ed- in actual education, teachers, yeah. and you hear that word, they take such offence at yeah. it, because, which you can understand because it's, it's... I think that's an American word, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't use that word. I don't. I don't no. use words like that anyway. But to actually see someone taking offence goes to show you. But this is modern day rather than. Yeah. But this yeah. is there again. Was no PC in 1992, was there? No. Really? no. Not, not. Not as it not is today. So, I mean, two years later, was it 94 with the Rodney King thing? I don't know off the top of my head on that one, but I it mean, was. It was that it period. It was going on, yeah. wasn't it? You know, I think. Uh, oh no, it must have been early because then. 1992. Rodney King would be early 90s because was being filmed across Compton. from where it happened wasn't yeah, it yeah they mentioned that sort of stuff in Straight Outta Compton yeah I've great film Straight Outta Compton never seen it actually, Straight yeah. Compton. I, I love the film but, um, in a good way it's fantastic yeah but I mean this stuff even though it wasn't p- by the PC brigade it wasn't policed yeah. it still goes on now yeah. it's just that now that we we have to consider what words we use now more than we did before yeah. to a certain extent stupid with some words you know like where you're not even meaning offence and I think that's where Tarantino's coming from with yeah. the whole violence argument and like why you're using certain words over others like it, that that's stupid but um, yeah no but he again it goes back to Reservoir where um, with, with the whole Mr Pink you know this this 
we're acting yeah. like a couple of yeah n words yeah you know like it it's not the that comes out of left field yeah <laughs> wasn't it shocking back in the 90s it, no it wasn't no 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 so uh, this is being you know i'm gonna yeah. be honest we're gonna, we're gonna wrap this up right now this has gone on for we have has had just under one one hour 24 minutes now this has gone on for an hour longer than i thought we'd do on this yeah. one but in a good way it's been good i've actually thoroughly enjoyed this and thank you for listening final, final words final thoughts yeah, yeah just i think it's still it is still the monument and the rock upon which the rest of them come from for me like i mean watching it again for the first time in a long time i didn't feel like i'd even left it really i mean it's i could what and i will watch it again mm. and when i do watch watch it i have to watch all of them <laughs> in a row We're doing that sort of but um yeah no yeah what about you yeah i, I love this film and just uh just sitting down and watching it it was it was is is uh one of the it's been one of the most rewarding things we've done and doing this podcast has been absolutely fantastic yeah so Super. yeah i gotta say but thank you for listening this yep. has been another high ground podcast so see you all in another high ground podcast we'll do see you later see you bye <laughs>